Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning, listeners, on this uh, lovely Saturday, 26th of November. Well, it's a bit cloudy, but anyway, it's still lovely. My name is Pierre Morrow, and I'll bring you this week's program of Asia-Pacific Currents. And as our little intro card says, it's brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links every week from nine to half past nine. And thank you very much to Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program. And um, that last uh, song, I actually, again, can tell you what it was. Um, it was uh, Two-Faced, Sincerely Grizzly, but I had to stop it. It went for too long. It's just gone past one, past nine o'clock. And on today's program, I am. Uh, it's a very joyful occasion, uh, isn't it? Because I I have uh, my co-host back, Giselle. Welcome back. Oh, I thank you, Pierre. Well, I had to. I had to make such a good introduction <laughs> after what I said last week. I, I thought you were saving me till the second half of the show. I, I thought I didn't have to make an appearance until then. No, no. Well, I've got to tell people that you're here <laughs> and what we're going to uh, talk about. So, Giselle, as we've talk, said um, before, has. Uh, but I will turn your mic off now. You can go back to your Sudoku. Uh, and laugh. Um, Giselle's just come back for about 10 days of intense solidarity visit with um, another co- AWL colleague from AWL, Jerome, to New Delhi and Mumbai for a whole series of meetings uh, and events with our <coughs> Indian comrades. But as you might have heard just in the back with her coughing, she is um, having a bit of a sore throat moment. So um, she'll just be the guest today. She's on the other side of the panel and I'll be doing the mini news. So, um, she, But she will come on about quarter past nine o'clock and um, I haven't had a chance to talk to her either so it's going to be totally, the questions are totally off script and so they're going to be a um, uh, news to me as well. So we're exactly in the same boat, listeners. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you are as well to hear how the working class movement is going, in, at least in northern India. But we'll go straight to our news items and um, I hope, uh, Giselle, you've got some positive news because some of the news items are not very positive. Um, we start off in China where scores of workers have been killed in another industrial accident. On Thursday, 24th of November, at least 40 workers were killed when a construction platform at a power station in uh, Yuqin in Jiangxi province collapsed. Many other workers were injured and the cause for such a catastrophic collapse is not yet known, but this is just the latest of a series of disasters to hit Chinese workers this year. And we've brought you a number of uh, news items you know, just in the last few months. And from the pictures um, from the news uh, articles, obviously the this construction crane literally just collapsed on itself. Um, the reason for such terrible accidents is that in China there is a relentless drive for profit combined combine with the repression of independent unions, which uh, really create a deadly cocktail for workers in China. 
Our next um, item is again slightly um, uh, bad news um, because we talk, go to India where there was a earlier this month there was a fire that killed a number of garment workers. Um, so early this month in the first uh, week there was a fire in an illegally run garment factory in a residential area of Sahibadad in New Delhi which killed 13 workers. As in many of these uh, small garment works and sometimes not very small the, the workers actually live and sleep in the same building. So this fire occurred early in the morning and um, and killed these 13 workers while they were in the building itself. Uh, they were asleep in the lower floor of the factory. The the factory actually wasn't a real factory. It was a, it was a residential building that was uh, turned into an illegal garment factory. Now, in India's uh, rapid industrialization of the last two decades, it is workers who are paying the price with many fatal accidents occurring all over India. And we'll put a news item on Army News uh, tomorrow where you can go and um, um, click on some of these other accidents as well. Um, amid this carnage, though, some sections of the workers' movement, and like we've brought to you um, earlier in the year, the garment workers around Bangalore have been able to make improvements through direct action and workplace organising. Hello, I'm Ben from Regurgitator. Stay tuned to 3CR, support community radio and your local music scene, and subscribe now. That's right, you're listening to 3CR Radio and uh, Community Radio Station. We need your support. Now, on a bit of slightly uh, better news is we go to um, South Korea, where this coming Wednesday, the 30th of November, the powerful South Korean workers' movement will be holding a nationwide general strike. While the primary objective is to force the resignation of President Park Chung-hee, workers are also fighting for their rights and their wages and conditions. The South Korean workers' movement has called for international actions in support of their general strike. And certainly if you go to our Facebook site, there's some great um, imagery and viewing of some of the actions they've had so far and uh, the way they can do um, strikes and demonstrations in South Korea. It's certainly something to behold. Um, now we go to Sri Lanka, where um, religious bigotry is unfortunately on the rise in Sri Lanka once again. This week, there was a major anti-Muslim rally in Colombo by the radical Buddhist organization Bodubala Sena, called the BBS. Now, the BBS has a history of fomenting xenophobia and racist attacks against religious and ethnic minorities in Sri Lanka. The growth of this religious right-wing extremism in uh, Sri Lanka is also parallel with events in Burma. Given Sri Lanka's history, there is a growing um, civil society movement that is opposing these reactionary religious forces. And we go to another uh, news story nearby that um, we did bring to you last week, but there's been some follow-up. So following from last week, big protests in Malaysia and in many other cities around the world, the Malaysian government had stepped up the repression against the movement and um, had actually arrested Maria Chin Abdullah, one of the leaders of Bursi, um, the, prior to this demonstration. 
The development, the new development is that Maria Chin is now being held for allegedly violating the recently proclaimed Security Offences Act um, called SOSMA, <laughs> also known as the Anti-Terror Law. SOSMA allows people to be detained, detained without charge for long periods. This development has brought back memories of when the Internal Security Act was widely used to suppress dissent in Malaysia. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now. About um, 10 days ago, or actually 11 days to be exact, was a Palestinian National Day. So the 15th of November is the designated Palestine National Day, and it was uh, chosen 28 years to remember uh, and commemorate the fight for Palestinians against dispossession and occupation and for the creation of their own state. This day was marked around the world with demonstrations and statement of statements of support. And I'm sure if you keep listening after APC to Palestine, remember, you would have heard more on this um, issue. Notwithstanding this day, the daily repression against the Palestinians by the Israeli state continues with uh, more and more arrest of activists. And of course, the protest and hunger strikes by Palestinian prisoners also continue unabated. Now, the next two stories are very much local ones and concern um, AWL and the trade union movement. Um, on Wednesday, the 7th of December, so not this Wednesday coming, but the uh, one after, so Wednesday week, we've got our our concluding film for the year. So we've got uh, the last film of fundraising film that we are screening for this year, a very successful series of films that we've had, and we turn our focus to Africa with the screening of the first grader. The film takes a personal story to focus on the failed Momo National Liberation Movement and the struggle by former activists to be recognised in independent Kenya. So that's Wednesday the 7th of December, 6pm, Long Play, 318 St George's Road, North Fitzroy, and it's in Melbourne, Australia for any uh, international uh, listeners. And um, on that same week, later on that same week, there is a um, rally here in Melbourne to defend um, multiculturalism. As we have seen with the election in the USA and the rise of the far right in Australia, the union movement and particularly union rank and file members need to take a lead in the fight against racism. Trades Hall in, here in Melbourne has partnered with a number of unions and community groups to hold a rally and festival celebrating and defending multiculturalism. Join a free, family-friendly street party celebrating the great diversity of our society. There will be music, food, cultural exhibition and rides for the kids. So the Global Street Party is on Saturday the 10th of December, which um, is, of course, International Human Rights Day. So 12 at noon, there will be a rally against racism at State Library. So we march into Trades Hall. And at 1pm, the festival at Trades Hall uh, in, at the, on Ligon Street will actually uh, begin. So invite all your fellow workers and bring the whole family for a fun afternoon in support of our multicultural society. So that's the end of the news roundup for this week. We'll certainly be back with another news roundup next week. And of course, um, later uh, tomorrow night, you'll be able to see all those news items. They'll be uploaded on our website. No more 
Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Workers of the world unite. In this climate of divide and conquer, it's time for us to take to the streets and defend multiculturalism and diversity. Victoria Trades Hall and a coalition of trade unions are organising a global street party and you're invited. Saturday the 10th of December. Rallying at the State Library at 12pm, then marching to Trades Hall for a street party on Ligon Street. There'll be bands, rides for the kids, music and tonnes of food. There'll also be some political forums about race, racism and how to fight back. This event is brought to you by Trades Hall, NTEU, the ETU, the AMIEU, the AMWU, the CWU, the ASU, Geelong Trades Hall, Ballarat Trades Hall and Australia Asia Worker Links. Workers of the world are united and will never be defeated. For more information, contact Matt Kunkel on 0405 748 242. Global Street Party, Saturday the 10th of December. State Library at 12pm. A 3CR supporter. It's just um, ticked over on at 14 past 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station, listening to your favourite radio programme of all the grid here at 3CR Radio. Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And finally, um, Giselle, I'm afraid I have got to interrupt your Sudoku <laughs> that you're doing. But I forgive you, Pierre. That's that's good. So um, if uh, just in case um, you've... Um, uh, you didn't quite get the intro at the start of the program. Giselle Hanna obviously is a co-host of Asia Pacific Currents and an AWL, long-time AWL member, but she has come back from about 10 days visiting um, trade unionists and workplaces in uh, New Delhi and Mumbai in northern northeast <coughs> India. So she's just come back. She's uh, still suffering a bit under the weather from the pollution both there and here. But- I, reckon, I reckon it was more the air conditioning, mate. Self. Yes, that's well. Everything's in, uh, you know, gets put in the mix in the soup. That's right. All right. Let's. So, let- so forgive my voice, listener. It uh, it might come and go as we go through this particular conversation. That's right. That's right. So now, for listeners, for regular listeners, they would know that um, certainly New Delhi now, the whole region around New Delhi, there's massive industrial estates, massive industrialization in, in New Delhi. So the working class is expanding in, and getting very varied and uh, very big. So just to give um, just an overview before I ask some more questions, you spent four days in New Delhi. Yeah, that's right. And then about the equivalent, or maybe five days in Mumbai as well, but three of those days was the conference. Yep, yep. So in um, in New Delhi, did you um, go around to workplaces and also meet unionists? Absolutely. So um, we have partners in New Delhi that we um, had the good fortune of meeting with face-to-face, and we had the opportunity to go to two particular industrial sites. So um, before going, obviously, AAW, UL has has active campaigns in um Maruti Suzuki, people will know about the Honda um, striking workers, uh, hunger striking workers. So that that dispute has developed and it's not clear how it's going to go, but um 
the hunger strike has come to an end um, and there has been some resolution in court uh, that people aren't confident is going to be upheld. So it's it's in this, a bit of a limbo at the moment, but it certainly looks and feels like there'll be some further activity in that space. Um, we didn't, so we in. Uh, so, so those those particular in industrial parks aren't directly in New Delhi, but we and and the um, hunger strikers who had come to New Delhi had returned to Rajasthan before we had arrived. So we didn't meet them directly, but we met a number of the supporters. Yeah. What we did see were um, uh, uh, two industrial areas. When I, when I say an industrial area, I mean, I've been to the Philippines, I've been to Indonesia. An industrial area is this massive, massive space, you know, the, the size of a suburb like mm. Brunswick, for instance. Um, and, and it's factory upon factory upon, uh, upon factory. And the workers are bust in and bust out. In um, what we saw, the industrial areas in India were not like this at all. They were actually the the factories are very very small. They fit maybe eight, nine, ten people in them. Some of them, some of the bigger ones, fit forty workers in them. So not the big industrial part, and and they're also not multinationals um, in these particular areas. So um, you know we had been covering the steel hot rolling workers. Well, I got to see some of those factories, um, and basically. Uh, workers migrate from other parts of India to these areas where these tiny factories are and they create makeshift um, accommodation. So they literally make it out of whatever's lying around and it kind of looks like masonite, like very, very thin wood that just kind of is a is a rough structure. Um, and once enough of these slums are created then people start to lobby for official recognition of these slums but you've got accommodation and right across the road you've got the factory so there's no escape from work life you know in the in the mini news today you talked about these garment um factories or or workshops as they call them so we we met the workers that work in them so they're these tiny i mean about the size of this studio i know listeners that doesn't help you understand how small but it's very small and you've got eight nine workers working in this space so what they do is they roll out the machine and it takes up the middle of the room and all the workers are working around it and what they're making are things like so they were making bindis you know those Those stickers you put on your forehead that we romanticise in Western culture, etc. So you've got these people um, piecemeal making these bindis. They're making the um, ribbon that goes at the bottom of, you know, a sari or a shirt or something like that. All these baubles that go at the end of scarves. But because they live in the factory as well, if they're sick... That they've, you can't take a day off and lie in bed because you have to roll your mattress away, pull out the machine, and start sewing. So, one of the unions that we were meeting with, who were, to, who were describing this to us, and the workers were there. So they they went out, they grabbed the workers from the workshops and said, "Oh, we've got some internationals for you to meet. Come for ten minutes and, and meet them." So you know they get paid per piece in in this garment industry, um, in this particular area. So we were in a a Muslim area, um, so that's ten minutes away from their yeah. their work in order to meet, and they all came willingly. 
Um, but the union said, you know, and if they're sick, we just let them sleep in the union office because they can't stay at work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, it looks like you're desperate to get a question in. I could keep describing this. I just want to say a yeah. few more things about yeah. the hot rolling um, steel workers. So uh, basically... Um, the steel comes from China, and that's as much of an international chain of production that I could see. But it's they're, what they're producing is pretty much for a domestic market. So sinks, buckets, I don't know how much you know about um, Indian culture, listeners, but if you've ever been to an Indian restaurant, there are these um, steel plates um, and, and steel little bowl things yeah so they're they're making these things so they've got the molds they've got this big hot furnace and they've got um cloth gloves on and if they and the cloth gloves are made from uh discarded jeans and dungarees and and other things and and the workers themselves make it because the factory isn't giving them the gloves that they've actually got to get the discount create the or they use plastic bags right that's that's the the extent of the health and safety there's this little makeshift fan which is the cooling device so this worker doesn't die of dehydration and he's standing over this furnace with these long tongs um, pulling these newly moulded sinks out of the furnace. And this is – that that was the big dispute that we um, supported recently where those um, steel hot rolling workers um, – yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we saw that in New Delhi. Yeah. And you did mention um, – that's fantastic um, description <coughs> there, Giselle. But you did mention um, the Maruti Suzuki. Now, did, have, I mean, that's been an ongoing issue. Many, some, I think, a few are still in jail, but many have been released, but they're still waiting trials and some have gone back to work, you know, where it's at. Yeah. So I think there are about 13 left in prison. Um we met with those workers, so we met with the Secretary of Mariti Suzuki when we were in Mumbai, actually. Um, so we met the Secretary and another worker, possibly an official, but I, I didn't quite get that detail. There was an interesting discussion, actually. We had some other um, manu- uh, vehicles manufacturing unions present in that conversation, so it was very, very interesting to see. And, and you know, we know this because we've been looking at this industry worldwide for a number of years, the similarities between you know, um, the conditions that workers are subjected to. But more interestingly, just the the pressure that unions in vehicles manufacturing come under. I think capitalism, as well as us, recognise the strategic importance of this industry to capitalism. So it's not surprising that there is a lot of pressure there. And did you get, uh, I mean, obviously, um, while before you mentioned about a lot of small industries, obviously, Maruti Suzuki would have to be a big um, company, um, you know, in a big industrial uh, factory. Did you get any feeling of how well the union is going? Like, have they been totally destroyed? Are the workers organised? What was your... It's not, there's no simple answer to that. In the same way, there's, you know, when we're asked that question about Australian unions, there's also not an easy Mm. answer. So I can tell you that the union is still standing. I can tell you that there is some fight left in them. I can also tell you that they're under sustained pressure and attack and they're doing the best they can in those circumstances. And you can't forget also that workers in India are so poor. The majority of the workforce, the majority of the country is illiterate. So what it takes to organise among a largely illiterate 
um, workforce is really hard to comprehend. The other thing that complicates organising as well is the caste system. So, um, you know, the mostly the literate um, people are of a, a higher caste. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's um, – I, I don't – I still don't have my head entirely around the caste system and what it means for organising. And it was a little bit talked about. Certainly there have been some clashes that have resulted in putting caste at the forefront of organising. So it's not really this thing that nobody speaks about anymore. They're, they're very open about discussing the issues. But it it's hard, you know, from a 12-day visit to India, I would – it would be foolish for me to say that I understand what that means. Yeah, yeah. And from the little I know, I know there's actually subcasts as well, just and that, regional yes. variation, just to make yes. it more difficult. So, look, um, just because we've only got you know, about two or three minutes left, you also went to Mumbai and you had some discussions there. Did you find any difference? Uh, because obviously, New Delhi, you know, the area like around New Delhi, uh, quite industrialized, but so is Mumbai. Did you find any differences between the the unionists and the labor activists from Mumbai or New Delhi or in terms of organizing their politics in terms of, of how they viewed the workplaces? Well, um I mean yes is the simple answer to that question. I mean, activists in India aren't homogenous, so and they their politics span the spectrum of political ideology, various different communist ideologies in the same way that that's the case in Australia. So, um, yes, but I don't think that's a regional thing. Like, I think you're going to have a, a, a diversity of political perspectives in each area, including, and that, that kind of... Um, translates to organising methods as well. I do, in the closing minutes of this, though, I want to mention a few other things um, that are really important that I'm not going to do justice in this conversation. The demonetisation um, issue was absolutely massive. Obviously, that happened on the 9th of November. We arrived on the 13th of November, so right in the midst of demonetisation. For those of you who don't know what that is, the Modi government... Um, gave the nation four hours' notice um, to demonetize the 500 and 1,000 rupee notes. So basically declared that they were no longer legal tender and gave people four hours' notice to get ready for it. Bearing in mind most people get paid cash in hand, um, most people, almost everybody, had $500,000 notes in their pockets that were suddenly not worth <coughs> anything. So the queues, so everyone's got till the 11th of December to exchange these notes for newly created 2,000 rupee note. And the queue, like I was in a queue where two people started punching on almost um, and I decided to get out of the queue. Um, <laughs> Probably a but, very wise decision. But people had been queuing up. People slept in queues yeah. in order to change their money. That was the first thing. The other thing is the fascist Modi government. So... Mm. His anti-Muslim and communalist rhetoric is increasing. It's still very subtle, but I think that's going to become much, much um, more direct um, as time goes on. And I can say that um, it is a direct attack on the left. So um, there are fascist thugs who are attacking leftists, leafleting and um, campaigning in the streets. All right. Well, thank you very much. Now, one, a 15-second <coughs> answer just to finish off. 
what was the most interesting or positive thing that you know of your 12 days in India that you, you, you saw or you heard or whatever? It's always valuable to go overseas and to look the comrades directly in the eyes, the ones that we've been speaking to on the phone and the ones that we've been campaigning around. So that's always makes a massive difference. Um, the political discussions and conversations and the opportunity to build international solidarity. All right, that's fantastic. That's a very, uh, um, a very diplomatic way to finish and round off the interview in a very positive uh, way, Giselle. You, you sound like you're a uh, radio broadcaster there. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, and I'm glad your voice managed to withstand 12 minutes of talking. All right, thank you, Giselle. And uh, you just heard um, Giselle Hanna, who's a long-time member of AWL and co-host of APC, about her recent um, solidarity trip to uh, India. All right, we've really gone, come to the end of the program. We've got Palestine Remembered coming up straight after this community announcement. My name is um, Pierre Morrow. You've been listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. It's just on 29 past uh, 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio. Um, we'll be back again. No, actually... We won't be back next week because there's um, special programming on the 3rd of December. So we'll be back on the 10th of December. So we are going to be skipping uh, a a week for special programming next week, the 3rd of December, which is International Disability Day. So um, thanks for listening. Stay tuned and um, be safe and keep organising. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.